been talking about uh, carnal weapons regarding spiritual warfare. And so I was asked about this exact weapon, of this issue, praying hedges. What does that mean? Or does that mean we can't pray for protection of people? It doesn't mean that. I'll get that right out of the way. It doesn't mean that at all. But the way it is used in the spiritual warfare deliverance ministry uh, mindset, it, has, it takes on a different flavor. And so I was reading, there's a very famous preacher in Tennessee who says demons told him the names of witches in his church. He said that when the offering is over, over and the worship team at this church uh, had just finished singing, Oh, Hi, I Love Jesus, the reverend so-and-so began telling his church about his conversation with demons. Those demons, he said, had revealed the names of a group of full-blown spell-casting witches who had sent to infiltrate his church, a non-denominational church each of, east of Nashville, Tennessee. He said, to God be the glory, I lie not, he said, told the congregation. He said, we got first and last names of six witches that are in our church, and you know what strange three of you are in the room right now. He also, has, uh, he also has the Demon Slayer uh, video and t-shirt, I think, and very well-known. If I give you a name, I know you'd know he's actually a Baptist, uh, by uh, American Baptist. And so, uh, anyway, he's been very well. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of pictures. You look for pictures. I was looking for the picture of his t-shirt, I, so I put images of so-and-so. All kinds. He like he poses for the camera. A lot of, lot of pictures. Yes, Mr. Womack? Oh, really? Wow. So it's something that happens. It's current events. Current events, absolutely. He was saying that uh, he had the fire teachers in Africa who were practicing witchcraft. And so uh, it is uh, something that part... But what tonight we're going to talk about is a spiritual hedges, and I put in your outline, I will try to follow along that, right from page one, we've affirmed that the Bible, the Bible alone is our text for authority, for understanding spiritual warfare. It's not so much hand-to-hand combat with demons as it is a truth war, not so much territory, but truth. We need to uh, be teaching and preaching the truth. And so that is the territory war are those who want to cast out demons, those who want to pray hedges, those who want to bind Satan. That was last time, binding Satan. And so this, this tonight is praying a hedge of thorns about a person, a place, or a thing. All right, so number one is the practice. Uh, what is praying hedge of thorns? Uh, it's, it's, uh, we have been given directions God has given us his word. We're to follow his word as what he says. And so when you can imagine a private countermanding a general's orders, oh, I think general, I know better than that, so I'm going to do this court-martial time or 5,500 laps around the field or something, you know, that would be a, it would be a terrible thing. But, so we've been given the directions by God, and so for us to be insubordinate would be to do our own thing. So the premise is this, <clears throat> we have a responsibility to evaluate our thinking and behavior in light of the Scripture and seek to conform our lives to God's Word. That's, what, that's our responsibility to do. If, if we 
do things regarding spiritual warfare that are outside the bounds of Scripture, we need to really draw back and get back in line with the Word of God. That which is the flesh is flesh, and that which is the Spirit is spirit. So praying a hedge of thorns, we're still on page one. Definition there for you. Supposedly, this is the practice of erecting a spiritual hedge around persons, places, or things in order to prohibit satanic influence or attack. Once a hedge of thorns is prayed around someone, Satan and his demons cannot get through. This is different from the practice of binding Satan, for in binding Satan last week we saw he is kept from doing something supposedly that he otherwise could do, and praying a hedge of thorns, you are not taking Satan's ability away, but rather protecting someone from him. It is taught that the practice of praying a hedge prevents demonic, satanic influence in the life or mind of the person protected by the hedge. So basically, it's, it's saying, I'm going to put a hedge, I'm going to pray this hedge. I don't know when the hedge is complete. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, how do you know the hedge is complete? And you have to pray it over and over, maybe it's perhaps several times a day to keep this. I'm for praying for my children. I pray for my children grandchildren every day. Lord, protect them. I'm, I'm for that. Protect bills he drives. I'm for that. Protect our, our church from... I don't pray every single day, but most, most days protect from infiltration by, you know, we ought to have protection. But this hedge of thorns is like I can pray a hedge around my wife and, they, and Satan can't get through. I can pray a hedge around Mr. Womack and, and he is, because Satan cannot even get to him. How do we know that? Do you, I, I don't understand how that would work. How do you know it's, how do you, how do you see that? I mean, how do you see, literally, how do, how do you know when it's complete? And you, have to, and you have to pray it over and over. If we're going to pray a hedge of thorns around someone, let's hedge in Satan. Let's pray a hedge of thorns around Satan and his demonic activity so he can do nothing to anybody. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? If it truly... Now, again, I'm not trying to belittle it, but I'm, there's a, the difference is this. Praying the hedge that we can somehow keep Satan out, I don't see it in there. The way you win the battle of temptation is when you have the Word of God in your mind and you read it back to the Lord. What did Jesus do when He was confronted in Matthew chapter 4? Three different temptations. What did He do? He quoted the what? The Word of God. So if He quotes the Word of God, where does that leave you and I? We need to be quoting the Word of God. He's the living Word, and He yet used the Word of God. So do you see... we? This is really, it's, I don't want to say it's arrogance, but maybe in a way it is. That we can somehow bind the single strongest creature in all of God's creation by what I pray? That would be Satan. Well, you know, we can pray and ask God to protect Yes. You know, oh, yes. That yes. And I think, at the, at the end of the lesson, the Pastor Osman says, I think we have a protection now. If the Lord withdrew his protection from us, don't you think we would be, oh my goodness, we would be up. I think he protects us. Job, Job is protected. You and I, I believe, are protected by God's um, um, power because we know that Satan had to ask permission to bring something ill into Job's life. I think it's similar, not, we're not, I'm not saying on the part of Job, but ever, never, ever will be. But I think the same principle can apply today, that God's watching over us. So he's already doing that. So it is he who decides when to stop it. It is he who decides when to start it. 
It is. And, and so the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So we find God's our protection already. It doesn't stop me from praying for you every day and praying for my children and for my, whoever for us every day. Does that, we do that. But what I'm not doing is demanding, as Mr. Womack said, demanding that I can pray something and Satan just can't get through it. Who do I think that I am that I can somehow... Look, look, just for a moment, hold your finger there, and look at Jude, about verse 9, Jude 9, just to remind you of this verse, Jude, Revelation. We're talk, talking about this false teacher's Really, a replete in Jude. You want to talk about false teachers replete in Jude. Likewise, verse 8, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, Jude 8, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst or dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. By the way, there is in the, the Assumption of Moses a pseudepigraphal book. Now, I have to tell you, I had to look up what pseudepigraphal means. It is, they had books where they would attribute, like the Assumption of Moses, like Moses wrote that when he didn't. It's someone who wrote a book. I, I, okay, I wrote a book, Jesse Stewart, by Jesse Stewart. I give, some, I give my name some credence, or whoever's the most popular author, or... I write a book, I'm going to put David Jeremiah's name on there because it might sell a lot of copies. Or I write a book and whatever. Like, that's pseudepigraphal books. It, they would, they would uh, not, it's like a, we call it a pseudonym. Uh, different, that's, that's the idea. It's a book written by someone and they attach somebody's famous name on it. So there's the assumption of Moses that talks about this. We don't, we don't have it in a, the account back over here in Exodus, but we don't need to have that account. Because God wrote the scripture, so we're trusting that it happened. God buried Moses, we know that. And so there was this, there was this why would Satan want Moses' body anyway? Maybe to animate it, to bring it back to life, and have people start worshiping. He, he's very clever. You say, Pastor, he could read about the Antichrist. I believe he's killed in the midstream, and then he's inhabited by probably, I think, even maybe the devil himself, and he is able to go on and carry on his, after being killed. And so the, Satan has tremendous power. And so question number one, I'll get back to the outline. Why can't we simply pray a hedge of protection, a.k.a. A hedge of thorns, about everything and just present, prevent Satan from influencing anything at all? The Bible says he is the prince of the power of the air. He has been given a lot. A long leash, or but there's a leash yet, but it's pretty quite long right now, for he's the prince of the power of the air. Rather than building a hedge around everything and everyone to keep the devil out, why not pray a hedge around him to keep him in? It would, someone said uh, humorously, a hedge of thorns penitentiary. Even Bill Gothard mentions the practice of in the basic youth conflicts with uh, sanctioning, I guess, supporting passages of Hosea 2 and Job 1. Let's go right to Hosea 2, please, if you would. Hosea chapter 2. Proof text. We have two proof texts which we are going to talk about. Are there really a proof text for praying a hedge of thorns about someone? Again, I'm very much for praying, very much for praying for God to watch over our family and friends, etc. In verse, it's verse 6, the starting verse. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns, 
and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. There's a hedge there, and there are thorns. So you say, well, pastor, there, it's right there. Does not the word hedge and the thorns? Yes, a hedge up thy way with thorns. There they are. The hedge of thorns are in the same verse. So there we are. Now let's just go forward from there, and we'll build our doctrine on that one verse, perhaps. But we must consider the context. Now, what is the context? What is the context of any Bible passage? What is your context? If I say to if I say that I love my cats all oh, so much I can hardly live without them. Well, I know the context of your life is that's a big lie, and it would be true. But if I say I love my wife more than any other singular person on earth, yeah, that's, that's true. And it is true, without question. So the context is what's before and what comes after. You can almost prove any singular erroneous doctrine by pulling a little line out of something. You know, I, you, I could say I love Tim loves every cat in the world. But you have to understand that I'm saying with tongue-in-cheek, or I've got my, finger, I guess I got my fingers and feet and toes and arms and all those crossed. That's not true. And I'm like, I don't know, how did that, where did that come from, crossing your hands? And I don't know where that comes from. But it, it'd be a lie. But the con- you see, so when it says here that, therefore, behold, I will hedge up, who's he talking about? Yeah, and what's it, what's it mean? So remember, Hosea, question two. So what was Hosea's wife's name? Gomer, thank you, Gomer. I wanted to say, go pile a lot of questions on you today, but uh, that would be bad. Gomer, pile. Gomer. It was Gomer. And so his wife, now, was she a person of stellar character? No. How about chapter one, the first couple of verses? The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, bless you, the son of Beri, Beri in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. And the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said unto Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and the children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. It was going to be a real life example, illustration of what the children of Israel, Judah, had done by going after strange God. It's called not only adultery, idolatry, but spiritual adultery. We are the bride of Christ, the church, and I believe my thinking, Israel's the wife of, of Christ in many ways. And so they have committed adultery. Not just probably somebody committed actual physical adultery, with, but this was spiritual adultery. They had they had strayed from God. By the way, do you know when they finally, when did they finally get over idol worship? Do you remember what event caused, <laughs> after the Babylonian captivity, they finally got rid of their idol worship? And that was uh, 730, six, six, uh, six, 586 to 515, whatever, 70 years from there. So that basic area. So it was in the 500s BC. And so we, we, they finally got over that. After the Babylonian captivity. Matter of fact, Mr. Lauderdale helped me this several years ago. We, we really don't call the Israelites Jews until after the Babylonian captivity, when Judaism started. So really, Abraham was not the, official, the first Jew. He was the officially the first Israelite. And then now we have Judaism. And so now we have a, a 
wayward Judaism that worships and there's the, the non-bloody sacrifice, etc. We won't get into all that right at this moment in time. So Hosea is going to marry Gomer. And look at the context of chapter 2 now, starting at verse 1, if you follow along. Chapter 2, verse 1. Say unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, plead for, with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms. Remember, an example of Judah Israel. Out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her in the day that she was born, and make her a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath conceived them that hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers." that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up that way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths and she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them and she shall seek them, but she shall not find them. And then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband for then was I better with me than now. That's the whole idea is we're going to put these thorns and on her path, she's going to try to go here and try to go there, but the thorns are going to stick her and she's going to return to God. That's why God convicts us of sin, to make us so miserable that we'll return to him. So if we're living in, if we're living in sin, he may bring some, allow some serious things into your life to get you... It's that hedge of thorns. This has nothing to do with my praying for Mr. Womack, a hedge of thorns around him so where Satan cannot attack him. Listen, we're attacked all the time. We are to resist the devil, the Bible says. We are to stand. Stand having your lords girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and all these things to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's a constant thing. When you think that you have somehow... The lady told me, in Bible study, just Ruth told me two days ago, oh, yesterday, uh, yesterday, she said, well, now, one of my friends believes that he's been, he never sins again. He's been saved, and he will never, ever sin again. I said, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and that was written to Christians. Now, she doesn't believe that, but some friend of hers, yes, uh, I'm not sure, but anyway, and they were like, they were, inc- they were incredulous, they were incredulous, but and everybody in the Bible, oh, that's not right. We were sinning. You know, we, we all went on sin. So we all agreed with that. So, but that was the purpose of the hedge of thorns. It was to make the way so difficult that she turned around and went back to her husband. That's the, so Israel will turn around, leave the idols, and come back to Jehovah. <laughs> we're getting ready for, it seems, for a seven-year period when there's going to be a returning of Israel to Jehovah. You think we could not be right on the cusp of Christ coming back for the church? Would this not be a time when someone would come in and say, listen, Israel, if you'll side with me, we'll take care of everybody else. Just give me seven years. Just seven years. Just a short treaty. Don't you think that we are not getting closer and closer? I mean, you can watch anything you want to on your phone. You can watch the two witnesses rise from the dead on your phone. It's all right here. The gospel can be preached around the world in short order. It's all right here. We are ready. We need to be ready. I mean, in many, many ways. Spiritually ready. It, it could be. We know it's, we're talking about this Sunday morning. I had already prepared the rebirth of Israel and the rapture of the church. I had already prepared before this ever happened for Sunday morning. And so it's going to be a, a very 
current topic. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Attorney, uh, I, I know his name. Anyway, he, that's in his window. Yeah. So there we are. We can watch it all the time. And so we have all this connectivity together. Uh, question three then. Uh, does Hosea 2, 1 to 13, we didn't read all those verses, but have anything to do with God protecting or protecting God's people from Satan? No. It's a punishment. It's not a blessing. This, this hedge of thorns is just not a blessing. It's a punishment. I'm going to put these in their way, and they're going to get so pinched by them that they're going to give up that lifestyle and come back to me. That, that's the idea. Nothing to do with hedging people about against Satan. Question four, what way was God promising to hedge them in with thorns? The answer is that be, the nation's idolatrous paths, their pursuit of other gods would be hedged with thorns and it would drive them back to him. The metaphor is easy on page two, the bottom. Imagine being on a straight and narrow path on which both sides are hedged with thorns to turn to the right or turn to the left. To seek to depart from what said path would only result in running into thorns and misery. That's what God wants. He doesn't want you so much happy or, or, or healthy. He wants you holy. That's what he wants from us. He wants you and I like him. That's what he wants. It's, it's so hard for we, we think that the Lord wants us just, all these, uh, what he wants us to be like him. That's what he wants from us. The whole intention in page three of hedging the nation from its perverse ways, that's what it was all about. Question five, how would Hosea respond to the question, so we can pray this hedge of thorns around our loved ones for protection from Satan? Hosea, he'd go, huh? This, this hedge of thorns is to get God's people back to him. That's, that's what it's there for, not to pray Satan, keep Satan out. <laughs> so nothing in, nothing in Hosea 2 indicates that such a hedge can be created through prayer there's nothing here that teaches that this was a result of prayer. There's no mention of Satan or how such a hedge of thorns prevents this activity and is a metaphor for punishment and not for protection. End of story. This is not a proof text for hedge of thorns as the spiritually deliverance ministries say that it is. It's not that. Two, Job chapter 1, please. Job chapter 1, 8, 9, 10. We know we're familiar with Job by now. By the way, I have learned so much about Job. I knew so next to nothing about Job at all, honesty. I, mean, I knew some, but I mean, uh, that's what we study the Bible for. It's why we have message, why we have expository preaching. I try to do expository preaching so that we learn together. And, and that we need to do that. And you do it on your own. Uh, and the Lord said unto Satan, Job 1.8, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and is Jewish evil? I'm not sure that he even needed a hedge prayed around him. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for not thou? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Yes! He's made a hedge about Steve and Cindy and, and Amanda and Bud and George. He's made a hedge about all of us. I really believe that, that he is watching over us and protecting us on a day-by-day basis. Do we have our own, uh, own guardian angel? I don't know. We might. I think we have angels at different times who protect. There's too many stories of missionaries telling these wonderful accounts. The only answer, well, there was like 26 big, bright, powerful angels or something around your hut. That's why we didn't attack. I mean, these stories are just amazing. 
So God, we're under God's protection. So the proponents see this Job passage in your outline, page 3. There's a hedge mentioned here, one of protection that kept Satan from attacking, and that is certainly true. The text does mention a hedge, and this hedge does seem to afford protection for Job. But does it elaborate into this theology of praying a hedge that is so common among Christian circles? I see no one praying for Job at this point in time. I see God and Job having a great relationship together. I see Job honoring God, and I see God protecting Job because of his faithfulness. Question six, so was this hedge, and where does it come from? Well, the hedge was clearly God's sovereign protection, and where does it come from? It comes from God. Job 1, we get a glimpse from the outline into the spiritual realm about something we cannot affect. God's sovereign protection of his people and the continuance or removal of their protection for his own sovereign and self-glorifying purposes. Do we not see that in 1 Corinthians where they're saved by fire almost because they, they, they strayed from God and God, God allows these things? There will be a lot of Christians who get into heaven by the skin of their teeth, by their, by their fingernails, because they're just, they're, and God he allows them to come in, obviously, because they're trusting Christ. But, but there are a lot of Christians who God allows things to come. And I was just thinking, I was preparing this afternoon, we, we sometimes we, we get how God is working, or what does God have for me, or how can I be used? And I was thinking about different preachers in the Old Testament. Haggai, they come on the scene, and we, we know one thing, his book. We don't know if he's a pastor for 40 years. He pastored 40 years afterwards. We know one thing. I think sometimes we, perhaps there is one person, especially God, has you left here to lead to the Lord. Perhaps there's somebody that you, that God's leaving you here for a purpose. I honestly, truthfully believe you're here because God's not done with you. If God was done with you, I'm telling you, he can take you home right now. So we're living exciting times. Oh, I wish we lived in biblical history. We're living in biblical history right now. I'm telling you, it, we could really be living in it, especially if the rapture, you know, the way things are moving on this thing. We have an exciting time because people, I hope people start looking to the Lord. We need to wake up. We should be waking up and woken up, woke, not in the bad, a good kind of woken up by this event in Israel. Only by God's grace and by a strong military. Or, Yes. How many earthquakes have grown exponentially since 1901? It, it's all, it's, it's, it, it could be the Braxton Hicks contractions of, of, the, of the Olivet Discourse. All right, let's, let's close up. we got four minutes to do the last little part here. Uh, I like this. I like what the practical part. Uh, it's on page four, I believe, of your outline. Pastor Osman, by the way, I'm using his book a lot. And it's, but if you want to, I would encourage you, if you, I know I don't encourage you to read a lot of books, but this is, if you want to know spiritual warfare, truth or territory, it is so biblically sound, and uh, I've found it quite helpful. He says, I argue that such a hedge is already the present possession of each individual believer, every saint. Satan would kill us all if he could. That's it. He would. Why do you, I think we're only alive because God has a protecting hand. He, he wants us out of the way. He doesn't care if you pray a hedge of thorns. He cares if you start sharing the gospel with someone to keep someone from hell. He doesn't like that. But you can pray all day to do these things against his, you know, pray all these and try to bind him and all these. You can do all, but you share the gospel 
or you try to have support missionaries who are sharing the gospel. He does not want that. Get his attention. So there are problems. Uh, biblical interpretation gone awry. Top of page four. Notice how the practice of praying the hedge is derived from Scripture. I said Jesus. The word hedge is mentioned in two totally unrelated passages. One of them mentions thorns. Therefore, it must be able to pray a hedge of thorns around people then. Hmm? A question. So the application is that. And what to do? Page four. So what about praying for protection? Does that mean it is unbiblical to pray for God to watch over us and protect us from attacks of our spiritual enemies? No. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 22 and 23, I'm reading there, Ezra 8, 21. Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river of Anna, uh, Ahava, sorry, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Nothing wrong with praying for protection. Psalm 7, 17, 57, 59, 94. Read them for yourselves. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for God's protection. However, bottom of four, it is unbiblical to teach that praying a hedge of thorns around someone or something is necessary to advance the kingdom of Christ or to halt the work of Satan. Or to, we must exercise a demon out of someone so then they can believe the gospel. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. That's what cuts through all the morass. It's, it's, it's the word of God. That's when we, when we witness, we must. We must use the word of God if you want God to bless it. There's too much just talking. We need, thus saith the Lord. And so that would, so I hope that helps you understand. Are we to pray for protection? Is it okay? Yes. But this idea that we can demand from God and we can pray some kind of a protection around someone where Satan can't get through, Michael would not even rebuke Satan. The Lord rebuke you. And so may we, to use today's terminology, may we stay in our lane. May we stay in our lane. And trust God to do what God does. And may we, but with God's help, do what we're supposed to do. He is the Almighty One. We are just thankful to be along for the ride, if I can use that terminology, that He has prepared this for us. We are we're just blessed. Amazing grace that He would save us. Let us pray. Lord, we're just thankful that we can pray to You. And Lord, we, I truly believe You have Your hand of protection on each one in this room as Your children. Lord, help us to think clearly. Lord, never in condescension, never in arrogance, never in uh, an egotistical way. But Lord, may we have opportunities. Help me tomorrow to share the gospel with someone, to, find, to see someone, meet someone who I can share the gospel with, talk to them about you. For Lord, you're the answer. It's not any party. It's not any physical person. It's not any solution, not any law, any whatever. It is you. It is you who are the answer. May we share that good news with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.